going first might have its advantages, but following that song, my, that's <laughs> really quite something. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. And uh, I see a lot of people I, I don't know. I hope I get to meet you uh, sometime during this week. I wanted to begin, again, our subject is the uh, grace of the guru versus self-effort. I wanted to begin with a story that Swamiji likes to share. It's oftentimes told in India. It's about a group of individuals uh, from many different parts of the world. And they are asked, of all things, to write an essay on the camel. And the German, being true to himself, goes to the local library and researches the topic about which he is to write. And the Englishman, a little more practical, a little less pedantic, goes to the zoo, the city zoo, and observes the species, takes notes, and writes his paper. And the American, the American, casting aside all thought of expense, <laughs> charters a plane, <laughs> flies to Arabia, purchases two camels, and brings them back. <laughs> And the Indian, bless his heart, goes into his prayer room, sits on his asan in perfect yogic pose, prays to God that the essay be dropped in his lap. <laughs> There's a lot of confusion about grace and self-effort that can be put to rest if we look simply to the lives of the masters. They have tremendous willpower, not in any goic sense, but very strong-willed, a tremendous amount of energy which they utilize to put in motion all, all uh, array of manifestations and wonders on this earth plane. And most especially the energy that they express, the energy that it takes to find God. Any devotee worth his salt, as the saying goes, knows that we incarnate on this planet, that we live this life, that we breathe, that we eat, that we act, that we die by the grace of God. And any village, Ananda village resident, any resident of Ananda worldwide, wherever you are, any friend, any member of this spiritual family knows that this exists this energy is held here by the grace of God. And the disciple, the member of this family, knows that we cannot take for granted the grace of God, that it is a divine gift. Yogananda said that the spiritual path is 25% our effort. 25% the effort of the guru on our behalf, and 50% the grace of God. And that 25% of ours, that's going to take everything, everything we have and more than we can imagine. Yogananda said, if you want God, go after him. Go after him. It takes great determination and steadfast effort. There was a disciple of Yogananda's by the name 
Davy Mukherjee, not the Davy that most of us have been introduced to uh, when we've gone on pilgrimage to India, but uh, a young disciple, a young monk from India. And Yogananda was correcting him and suggesting that he work on overcoming a habit of his, which was to joke a lot and, and goof around a lot. And he said to Yogananda, I know it's a bad habit, but how can I change <clears throat> without your blessings? And at that moment, Yogananda said, you have my blessings. You have God's blessings. All that is lacking are your blessings. And Swamiji says when he tells this story in India, he gets a very interesting response. He starts out with Devi, repeating Devi's words to Master, how can I change without your blessings? And as Indian audiences, all of a sudden you hear this, oh, this, you know, they understand grace. It's all about grace, the grace of God. How can I change without your blessings? What other question is there? What other answer is there to solve this dilemma, to overcome this habit or whatever it is? And then Swamiji says when he answers uh, with Yogananda's response, you have my blessings. You have God's blessings. All that are lacking are your blessings. And at that point, his audience is, oh, <laughs> this pitiful groan. <clears throat> because it is at that point through the guru's words and vibration that they understand, that we understand we have work to do. We have work to do. On the spiritual path God has given us in life, in this incarnation, to the extent that we utilize it and draw upon it, the free will to seek him or reject him. If we live this life, if we act through self-effort alone, centered in the ego, then our lives play into the hand of karma. And that's pretty much all there is to it. But if we open to divine grace, if we call on the guru, if we try to attune to that consciousness that the masters are holding there for us to draw upon, then doors open. And things happen to us that directions, guidance, circumstance, things we never would have imagined for ourselves. And God enters in, mitigates our karma, sometimes entirely dissolves it, or gives us the perspective, the right attitude to face it, to meet it with energy, to meet it with the knowing that it is all grace. This very same Devi Mukherjee, he said to Yogananda once, give me the grace of devotion. And Yogananda said, it's like you're asking me for money. You want me to give you money so that you can take that money and do with it what you want, buy what you want. Yogananda said, I say, earn it. Earn it and I will give you the money and then you can buy what you want. Swamiji was there with some of the disciples, and Yogananda was there, and he said to one of them, he was 
talking about the spiritual path, the goal of us all, which is to be free in God. And he said to one of the disciples, and you have clear sailing. Well, you can only imagine being there in the midst when he would say those words, words that any devotee would be thrilled to hear. And everyone's heart leapt, and they thought, do I have clear sailing? Do I? And Yogananda, picking up on that thought, he said, and you all shall have clear sailing if you remain faithful to the end. And Swamiji was there, and he said, at that point, everyone got, and you will all have clear sailing. At that point, they just, that was it. They didn't hear another word, he felt. He didn't hear that condition. And maybe a condition is, is a bit of a heavy word, but that, that um, element of cooperation on our part that has to come into play for us to draw on that divine power that will, yes, indeed, liberate us, ultimately. When, uh, when Swami Kriyananda was with Yogananda, he... Yogananda said to him once, you must try hard, for God will bless you very much. Again, those two, hand in hand, that cooperation and attunement with the guru and that willingness to put out more energy and to find more energy when we don't feel like we have it or can get it in that moment. But to look to that and to look for that in the guru and to bring him our cooperation, to bring him our heart's love. You look at the life of Kriyananda, and it's an amazing life. It's a glorious life, to be sure. But you have to say, when you look at it, when you read his autobiography, when you read his works, and you hear his stories, and the bits that he will share from his life, you see seemingly insurmountable challenges, one after the other, after the other, after the other, just uh, any one of them would seem enough to just lay anybody flat on the ground. And you see this. But you have to know, if you were to ask him about his life, he would say that it is the consequence of grace. Grace responding to the open heart of the devotee, to the heart that is willing, unwaveringly willing to keep opening up, to keep expanding, to keep trying to tune in just a little bit deeper. It's very easy to think of grace. I think of that word, and I love that word. I don't use it liberally, but I love that word. The minute I hear it or think of it, I feel a sense of awe and wonderment about the path and the blessings that we've all been given. And it's easy to see it sort of as this glorious, astral, beautiful bouquet of flowers or something, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it. But grace isn't always wrapped up like that. Grace comes oftentimes in very difficult hardship, in the loss of a loved one, in, in being judged the wrong way and being persecuted of some sort, some, some illness, some dire circumstance. But grace is grace. It is blessing. And however it comes, the more that we are on the path, the more that we go deep in our own personal relationship with God, the more we start to see that 
Yes, it is all grace. Yogananda said that grace is divine power as distinct from any other kind of power. And it comes from deep within us, from our highest reality. And as we open up to it, as we attune to the masters on a soul level, on a consciousness level, that power resides more and more within us. Ultimately, it becomes a constant. And yet, we cannot take it for granted. We cannot blindly expect that it'll be there. Yogananda, one of his disciples, a woman disciple, a disciple. You see, it's, it's, it's not that black and white. Even we as devotees, as disciples, stumble over this balance between effort and grace. And here this disciple, she would always take risks, big risks. And people would question her about it, advise her against it. And she would say, Guru will protect me. Guru will take care of me. And finally, someone, one of the other disciples, went to Yogananda and told him what she was saying. And you know what he said? He said, of all things, I'd like to see her drive off a cliff and see if I or God himself would intercede and protect her from the consequences of her folly. Well, that's pretty black and white there. <laughs> There's no murky ground there. And it's not that the guru is heartless and uncaring, but it's a very dramatic account, a real account, of where we need to be in consciousness to attract that grace, to magnetize that grace, to live more and more in that grace. There's a wonderful story about a great master, Swami Shankaracharya, and he was standing on the banks of the river, this big expanse. And on the other side was a very close disciple of his. And all he did was look across that expanse, connect with his eyes with that disciple, and he just said, come. And that disciple unhesitatingly put a foot forward and started to walk across that expanse of water. And when he put his first foot down, a lotus pad came up from nowhere under his foot and held him. And he put his next foot forward, and a lotus pad came up and held him. And all the way across the river, he walked in this manner. And when he got to the other side, he cast himself at his guru's feet. And his guru lifted him up, addressed him by the name Padmapada, which means lotus feet. It never occurred to that disciple, I dare say that there was even water in front of him, it never occurred to him to think, is the current going fast? What if I get out there? What if it's over my head? What if I sink? What if I drown? What if I'm carried away? None of those thoughts were there. Just that unhesitating response to cooperate, to reach out to the guru. And Yogananda says that our, again, we can't blindly expect grace, nor even anticipate it. But we have to operate from what we know of grace. Grace operates through faith, 
It operates through our love for God, our cooperation. It operates through our own realization. And so what we know of God, that's how we approach life. That's how we magnetize grace. And this disciple, it wasn't as though he had seen his guru do this before for somebody else. It, he had never seen this, but he wasn't thinking about it either. It was happening. It was happening. He drew that grace of the guru in cooperation with the guru, just open, open, and trying to tune in deeper and deeper and deeper. I love that one, Swamiji. He says he's lived his whole life trying to just feel master inside of himself and feel guided by that. It's never ending. It's not that we ever figure the guru out. He's so much beyond that. And to keep being open, as Yogananda refers to the path, to that ever new aspect of it. And in that openness, we meet God. We meet God halfway. When I probably even less than halfway because God and Guru have got that big bite of our spiritual life. But I remember many years ago when Anant and I used to live here, and at that time we lived over, part of that time, we lived over at Ayodhya. And Ananda, we still have these joyathons in those days when we were younger. They were really jogathons, <laughs> and we ran, and we ran hard, and we ran miles. And I ran a few marathons for those uh, events, trying to help raise money for Ananda. I never would have done it otherwise, I assure you. <laughs> it took me five and a half hours every time. Can you imagine that? I can't conceive of it. I, I think I did it. I have a little piece of paper that says I did. But anyway, uh, I used to run. And I, uh, again, not being totally into this except for the cause, I didn't tend to train at very high mileage. <laughs> so <laughs> I would stay around four or five. I think I ran two 10-milers before that, those marathons all three times. But Shivani ran with me, and that was my boon. Shivani is a woman, she lives in, longtime member of Ananda, lives in Assisi now and has for a long time. And uh, so she would run with me to set the pace. And I did well with her. I didn't do, I wasn't quite up there on my own. But we both lived at Ayodhya at the time. And so when we would finish the run, when you come into Ayodhya, it's, um, there's just a little bit of a hill you can take if you're running up Sages Road, and then you kind of swing down into the parking lot. Or you can just go right down and over. And she would always ask me, how do you want to run this? Right at the end, I've done the 10 miles. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, and I'm done. I'm done running. But I learned uh, after the first time that you say yes uphill. <laughs> And she said, we don't slide into heaven. Let's go uphill. And it's not a big uphill, but it was just the point. And many years later, when one of the times when I was visiting in Assisi, and she's still there now, those of you who have been there, Il Refugio, the main center of Ananda there, it's up on the top of the hill. It's down on one side. It's kind of level and then down on the other. And lo and behold, I was there. We went for a run, downhill first uphill, back up. But 
uh, she has a tremendous amount of energy. It's a great teaching, really. And uh, it's just that it doesn't have to be a big hill. It just has to be that willingness to go a little deeper in God, to go a little deeper in that attunement with the guru. I wanted to just close with a passage from The Essence of Self-Realization. And this is a book, uh, The Wisdom of Yogananda. It's compiled by Swamiji and his remembrances of things that Master said. There's a whole chapter in here on grace versus self-effort, and I encourage you all to read it sometime. In the history of religion, there is a perennial date, debate as to which is more important, divine grace, kripa, as it is called in India, or human effort. The answer is quite simple. And the masters have tried repeatedly to convey it to people in their teachings. Man must do his best, of course. His best, however, will be crowned with success to the extent that he realizes that it isn't he as a human being who is acting, but God who is acting through him, inspiring and guiding him. To think of God as the doer doesn't make a person passive. It takes great effort of will to be receptive to him. The devotee must offer himself positively and joyfully into the flow of inner grace. The power that is in you is your own, but God-given. Use it. God won't use it for you. The more you attune your will during activity to his infinite will, the more you will find his power and blessing, strengthening and guiding you in everything you do.